following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Well, welcome everybody to Canyon Ridge Church. I want to dismiss our youth to Canyon Ridge Youth with Nick. And those of you who want to stay, hey, you're, you're more than welcome to stay, too. But, uh, <laughs> hey, we are continuing our parenting series. Like um, I think earlier I said, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. And we are excited for, about speaking on, on parenting. And the thing is, though, you're not really here to hear me on parenting, right? I still have three kids, 13-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son, and an eight-year-old son, so I have a little bit of experiencing with parenting, but I haven't fully been through the teenage years yet. But nonetheless, you're not here to hear me on parenting. You're here to hear the Bible on parenting, right? I'm trying to point you to the perfect parent, which is God, God the Father, and, and his son, Jesus, in whom we're trying to live in. But I am a father. Like I said, I have three kids of my own, and I remember when I first became a father. Um, I remember our first baby um, in my, my wife's room, womb. We did the whole ultrasound thing, but the, the baby was shy, and we didn't want to see, didn't want to cross her legs. I didn't know it was her at the time, but cross the legs, and so we couldn't see the gender, and there were all sorts of old wives' tales, like how you carry the baby and what you have, want, want to eat, and so because of all those things, we totally thought we were going to have a boy. Like, all the old wives' tales made us think of a boy. I didn't even think I picked out a girl's name. Like, we picked out a boy's name. And so when the date came for the, the child to be born, it came out, and the doctor said, it's a girl. And I was like, no, check again. And they're like, no, really, it's a girl. And, and the whole time, like, my wife was going through labor, my, right? I was talking about the things that you want to eat, and she really wanted tuna, but she felt like she couldn't eat tuna because it had mer- high mercury levels and things, and so the whole time, like, she was there, I was just sitting there holding her hand, and, and the only thing I could think of is, like, hey, I'll make you a tuna sandwich after this is all done, and <laughs> so she kind of went through that, and, and, and my daughter came out, and I was like, I don't know what to do, like, I, I knew what to do if I had a boy, right, like, like I could tell him, don't get too aggressive in eating the corn dog. The, the stick kind of sneaks up on you, right? And, and yes, you can pee in the yard, just, not, just don't when you're 16 because you might get arrested for, you know. Um, or, and never, ever, 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 ever root for the New England Patriots, right? There would be some things that I could tell a boy about what to do. But a girl came into my world, and I didn't know what to do. And I think that's how we can often feel as parents is, hey, how do I, how do I parent? How do I, how do I do this? And, and the hospital, like, they gave us the child, like, a day or two later. Like, with no instructions. Like, what do I do? Like, at least when I leave Ikea, they give me instructions for how to build this thing that I just got. But they don't even do that for you. Like, how do you know if you're winning as a parent? Like, in sports, you can look at the scoreboard, or in business, you can get a profit and loss statement, but in parenting, you can't get anything. And so, like, there are times when I feel unqualified as a parent, 
And I call those times being awake. And those are the times where it's so difficult to figure out what to do, how do we parent our children. And so a lot of us, we just kind of try the shotgun approach, right? Just anything we can get them good into, that's, that's what's going to create in them as a good adult. And so we just, we get our kids busy. You know, we get them in sports or, or band or AP classes or volunteering, and we just kind of get them in all of these, these busy things and hope that it produces a good kid. But the problem with that is that a lot of times um, that becomes their life and they become super, super busy in their life. In fact, today, the second most popular dietary supplement for kids is energy drinks, right behind multivitamins. Good job, kids, multivitamins. But the second most popular dietary supplement is energy drinks for, for teenagers. Kids are need energy drinks, not be, just because they're tired from waking up in the morning, but because they're so, so busy. I remember a time when I was a youth pastor, and I was having youth group, and this, this girl came up to me afterward, and I was talking with her, and as we were talking, she started telling me about her day. And she's told me that her day is she wakes up early to go to school, and then she, go, she, she goes to practice after school, and, then, and she has her game, and then she comes home, and she does homework, and she's done by like 9.30, and then she goes to bed. And she told me that the only time she spends with her parents is when they're driving her around to all the different activities that she signed up for. And parents, if we're not careful, and, and even if you're not a parent, if you're just a person, we can get our identity tied in with our activity and so we don't develop any strong sense of identity because it's, we're so busy trying to measure up to the things that we need to do. And so we have no strong sense of identity, and we need success for our identity and our self-worth. And because of that, that then goes into so many different areas of our life. Like it can go into our relationships. And so for us to feel like we can have a good relationship to be approved we start people-pleasing and doing what we can to, to please people and maybe even compromising ourselves because we haven't defined really who we are. Or, or maybe we, we start making wrong decisions in our life. We take an opportunity because it looks good. It looks like it'll make us successful, but realizing that it's not really an, a fit for us in our identity and who we are. And so we put ourselves in wrong jobs. We put ourselves in, in, in communities that are wrong for us. We put ourselves in, 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 in even in, in all sorts of friend groups that are wrong for us because we don't really know who we are. We're just trying to do the thing that outwardly in the appearance makes us look successful, even though it might not fit. And so as people are ending up in places where they're needing to medicate because their deep inner spiritual needs aren't being met, their needs for community and and love and friendship, their need for growth and purpose in their life. Those those deeper inner spiritual needs that we all have aren't being met, and so people are medicating them to cope either with 
something as simple and harmless as, as movies or TV shows to something as dangerous as uh, being addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography or all these different things because we aren't having some of our deeper inner spiritual needs met. And so we're often... As parents, we can get into the trap of doing so many things for our kids that we're not doing things with our kids and not really spending time with them. So as a parent, what is the goal of parenting? What is the most significant thing that we can do as a parent? Well, to, to know this, we need to turn to the source, and we need to turn to some of the most significant things in entire history, right? Jesus is the most significant person in the entire world, in, in, in all of history. He, there's been more songs sung about Jesus than anyone else. He has a, a movement that has more followers than anyone else. A third of the world claims the name of Jesus. Um, there is, there's more uh, books written about him than anyone else. And we split time in two, into B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, based off of Jesus. Now, the most significant book in the world is the Bible. It's been translated into more languages than any other book. It's the best-selling book of all time, and it's impacted the language and the culture of Western culture. And so when somebody does something good for somebody else, we call them a good Samaritan. We call them a good Samaritan. If somebody leaves and a child leaves and comes home, they are the prodigal son. These are all things that are influenced by the Bible, the golden rule, influenced by the Bible. So when the most significant person picks up the most significant book and tells us the most significant section, I think it's pretty fair to say this is significant, right? And so we're going to look at a passage. It's called the, it's the Great Commandment, and this is one of the passages we're going to be looking at today um, that... I think applies to parenting. So Mark 12, 29 to 31. Hear, O Israel. In other words, he's saying, listen, people. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus is saying this is the, one of the, most, the greatest commandments. Really, the, the great commandment. It all comes down to love. Here was a guy, he was a, a Pharisee, he was a teacher of the law, he was coming up to Jesus and trying to catch Jesus and saying, hey, what's the most important of all these commandments? And, and as he's talking to Jesus, he's, he's trying to say, well, he, like he had probably had in mind some other things that were really important. But Jesus says, look, the most important thing you can do, the most significant thing you can do is to love that is, that's what it all comes down to. Do you love God and do you love others? That is what, we, what we're called to do. And I think in terms of parenting, we can see um, how, it, how it works out, plays out in, in Matthew 21. Jesus has a par- another parable. And again, he's talking to Pharisees. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. 
See, Jesus is coming and, and speaking to the, the Pharisees in both of these passages. And they're, they're Pharisees that are coming up to him, and these are all like really strict rule-following people. They want to follow all the rules because they wanted to be righteous. They wanted to be right before God. And so they're, they're trying to be like, and so they were really strict, and they were trying to hold other people to that standard too. You've got to measure up to all of these rules. Does anybody know like, those rule makers and rule followers in, 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 our, in your life? You have any of those in your life? Like those people who are driven by rules, right? That's these, these Pharisees. They're really driven by rules. And they're coming to Jesus and being like, what are the most important rules? Like, what are the things that we need to measure up? Because we've been successful at all this other stuff. Like, by our standards of our culture today, like, we are really successful people. And we've done all these things. But, like, that's enough. Like, we want to do even more. So, Jesus, like, you seem like you know what's going on. So, what are some other ways we can kind of prove ourselves to the people? And Jesus says, you really want to prove yourself to people? Then love people. Because outwardly, these Pharisees were doing all sorts of right things, but Jesus knew their hearts. And he knew that their hearts were not about loving others, but it was more about the appearance they could get and the accolades they could get and the attaboys they could get for all the outward success that they had. But Jesus knew that it was meaningless. It was nothing because they didn't really love people. And in that second passage, we see that there is a son he goes out and he listens to his father. His father asks him to do something, but he says, no, I'm not going to do that. But then, because his heart, he's been raised right and his heart is right, he turns around, he repents, and he, said, and he goes and he does. But then the second one, the son outwardly seems to get the approval of his father because he says, yes, I will do it, but inwardly, he doesn't really want to do it, and so he doesn't end up doing it. Anyway, and as parents, that's the way we can get. If we make our, our parenting simply about controlling our child's behavior, then they will outwardly try to follow what we ask them to do, but inwardly there'll be, be a growing rebellion because they don't really want to listen what we say because we haven't really delved and, and tried to develop the inner spiritual needs of our children. We've got to be able to focus on that because ultimately, it's our heart that directs what we do. That's what Proverbs 4.23 says. For above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In other words, where you aim your heart will direct the course of your life here on earth and for eternity. That it's, when it's, it's the place of your heart. And so the goal of parenting today, that's the title of my message, is the goal of parenting but the goal of parenting is to create a relational environment where kids can find their identity and self-worth in Jesus. It's to create a relational environment. The environment needs to be relational because love is the, the environment through which identity is formed. It's, it's, in, it's in the, the bounds of love, with that, that, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But that's where identity is formed. And then the kids need to find it. Because we cannot force identity on them. Identity forced onto something is not really their identity. It's the identity they've, they've been imposed on, and it's not really who they are. They need to find it for themselves because only God can transform their heart. And, and ultimately, God transforms their heart through faith, when they have faith. So if you can pass on your faith 
then you can begin to build their sense of identity and self-worth that will direct their lives. And, and, and faith, I think the, the way we kind of find this is the, um, the Greek meaning of faith. The, the Greek word for faith is pistos, and it has three different meanings. It means uh, firm conviction, personal surrender, that's personal surrender to a greater identity, and then the corresponding conduct because of those things. So in, in parenting, if we can instill in our children a firm conviction and then help them have the, the personal surrender to that, that corresponding identity, the right conduct is just going to naturally follow. When you get your heart right before God and you get your identity in Christ, right activity just necessarily follows. You see, we don't start with right activity to lead to right identity. It Actually, it's the reverse. It's right identity to lead to right activity. That's what we want to do. And the way that we do this is through three things. Three things I'm going to talk about today. First, we do this through words, through our words. Remember, I, <coughs> I said that, that love is the environment through which identity flourishes, which it grows. Um, at Jesus' baptism, Jesus goes to John the Baptist, and he, he, he goes to him, and, and John the Baptist knows who Jesus is. And John the Baptist says, I need to be baptized by you because I know that you're really the son of God. But, um, but he says, no, 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 I'm, I, you need to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus goes down and is baptized, and he comes up, and the, the, the Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove, and he hears a voice from heaven that says, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. See, God had, had words God the Father had words for his son. Because even though Jesus is, is God in the flesh, he was also God, he was also fully human. He was a full, fully man and dealt all with the, all the temptations that we deal with. So did, did Jesus potentially deal with insecurity? He could have. He dealt with all the temptations that we would have dealt with. And so God the Father, affirming his identity, helped him to know who he is, and helped him to continue to follow God, even through the midst of the, of the difficult times. Proverbs um, 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, whether it's, it's life or death, you will eat the fruit of what you say. You can, your words have so, such power over your kids Adults, your words have power over, over you. What are you believing? What are the blessings and what are the curses that you're believing in your life? You know, I, when my kids, when they go through a difficult time, I look at them and I say, are you smart? Are you beautiful or handsome? Are you, are you, um, are you, are you loved? And they say yes. And then I say, if, if somebody's putting them down at school, I say, um, you know, does that person feed you? Does that person raise you? Does that person really know you? No. So who are you going to care about more? What I say or what they say? And just reminding my kids of who they are and continuing to speak blessing over their life, continuing to, that God has a, has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. you. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. And, and, and Jesus, when he went out, he also went out to the, de to the, the desert. Right after his baptism, he's led out into the desert by the Holy Spirit. 
and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's hungry. That's the most obvious verse in the Bible. And, and as he's out there, he's tempted by the devil, but he's not really just tempted by the devil. The devil and each of the three temptations that he's telling Jesus is telling Jesus that he needs to prove himself. He needs to prove who he is. And each time, Jesus responds with the word of God. Why could he respond with the word of God? Because he had the affirmation of God. He wanted a word from God, and he had a word from God because he had the word of God. And that same resource is available to you this day as well. That you can speak blessing over your your kids because you have the Bible. Use those promises. Use those verses. Find the verses that are encouraging to you and speak those into your kids. Put them on on their lunch boxes. Put them on their backpack. Put them in their briefcase if they're grown. Put them wherever, but put them where they can see them and continue to speak verses, encouraging verses over their life to encourage them to be all that God has called them to be. Because as parents, we can unintentionally speak curses over our kids. We can say things like, um, oh, you didn't make that team. Oh, you should have made that team. Or, oh, you didn't make that class. Why didn't you try harder to get into that class? And we can unintentionally, by our words, begin to make their identity about activity. And so we've got to watch the content of what we say to our kids to make sure we're not speaking to them that they have to measure up to something to be approved or to be worthwhile. In the same way, we've got to watch our own motivations when we're, when we're talking to our kids. If we're bringing them to optional extracurricular activities, are they liking it? Are, when we drop them off, are they laughing or giggling? Or, are, or when they, we drop them off, are they dragging their feet? If these are optional extracurricular things, of course, if it's school, if it's things they have to go to, it doesn't matter how they feel about it, they're going, right? If it's chores that they have to do, they need to do them. It doesn't matter how they feel about them. They don't have to pray to God if they're called to do it. They just need to do it, right? They need to pick up the dishes. They need to, you know, clean the table, whatever. Um, but, but on some of those things, we've got to be careful because often as parents, we try to live vicariously through our kids we try to live, have our success through them. And so we've got to be careful that we're not doing that. So we've got to be careful that we're speaking blessings and not curses over our kids. Um, so also another way, was, it, was, it was words, but it was also in the ways of Jesus and the ways of the God, God the Father. In um, Luke chapter 5, 16, it says, but, often Jesus withdrew, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But it wasn't really lonely places. Jesus was going to take intentional time with his father. And so he often went to go and be with his dad and take some intentional time to speak with him. And, and as, as parents, we, we are trying to find often the best institutions, whether it be school or sports or a, a band or, or a drama or whatever it is, we're trying to find institutions to put our kids in and the best institutions to put them in because we believe if they get into the best institutions, then that will help them to be the best version of themselves. But there was a story of uh, uh, after World War II, there were many parents who died after, after that war in Europe. And so there were orphanages that were, they were opening up. And as they were opening up these orphanages, they were having these kids come in these orphanages. And 
all of, like, what they started seeing is a lot of these kids were dying in these orphanages. And they had no idea, like, why are these kids dying in these orphanages? And so they brought in psychologists and counselors and all these different people to kind of diagnose the situation. And what they realized is that they were treating these orphanages like hospitals. And it was a sterile environment for all these kids. And so the, the people taking care of the kids had masks over their faces, and they were treating them as patients. And it wasn't really a, a family for the kids. And so the, the kids were dying for lack of love. And so that the, the nurses took the, the mask off their face so that the babies could see their face. And the, the, they would, would touch the children and rub their bellies and try to make them feel good. And all of a sudden, they started doing a lot better because we were made to love. See, we grow, we flourish when we're loved, when we're connected, when we have people around us. There is a physical need inside of us to be connected See, we look, often look for the best institutions, but kids primarily need their parents. See, non-relational parenting is dysfunctional parenting. Um, technological parenting is dysfunctional parenting. I, I think that phone is the Greek word for demon, uh, right, in some, in sometimes. It, it's not that institutions, it's not that technology is evil. But what they can't do is they can't replace you as parents, the kids need us, and so they need to, to be with us. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. It's love is just your time. And, and so there, there's different ways that we need to just spend unstructured time with our kids with no goal in mind. And, and some of that is just having fun with our kids. Like for me, a memory I have with my kids is um, actually we were playing video games, and we were playing Super Mario Brothers, um, the, the Wii version, and we would just, um, when we'd get angry at each other, we would pick up the other person and just throw them over the cliff and kill the other person. And we would just, but you know, it was, it was just a, it was a dumb video game. But we had fun doing it and we remember it because it was just something we were doing together. When I ask my kids, what were some of the most fun memories that you have? It was just memories of us doing things together as a family, for us just being together. Um, oftentimes we teach our kids how to do, but we don't teach our kids how to rest. We need to teach our kids that it's okay to have unstructured time just being together as a family. For as adults, you need unstructured time just, just being with friends, being with family members, even being by yourself, just having that time just to relax God created the Sabbath day not as a suggestion, but as a commandment that you would relax in what he's calling you to do. And, and I remember some of my, my, my uh, most memorable moments, again, come out of this time of just being together with my family. I remember um, my son, Mateo, we were talking about um, uh, germs, and he was learning about germs, and we said that, yeah, there's germs everywhere. There's even germs all over our body, and he got all freaked out and wide-eyed, and, and he, he got all, like, was shaking, and he said, I can feel the germs tasting my body. And, and, uh, and there was another time that Adriana was walking, watching something on Facebook about uh, a baby. You know, they have those videos on how babies grow, and Marco looked at it, and uh, as, he, as they were watching this, um, he kind of got this idea, and so she was explaining a little bit, like the seed goes to the egg, and the first one that makes it to the egg, like, 
come, goes, and it creates and grows and becomes a baby. And so Marco's like, oh, okay, that's cool. So he learned that. <laughs> and then the next day, we were talking about something, and, and he was struggling. And, and I, was like, I was like, well, you know, um, and he was talk, describing about how somebody had put him down or something had happened. And, um, and then he finishes, like, well, at least I'm a winner. And I was like, winner? Like, what do you mean, winner? And, and he's like, you know, I was, I was the first one to make it to the egg. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, and you're a winner, and you're a winner, and you're a winner. <laughs> so you, to know, like, you are a winner, if nothing else, take that. You're a winner just because you're here today. Some of those memorable moments just come from us, me being with my kids and, and just them being kids with me. Um, and, and finally, I think we need to teach our kids values and skills. Uh, we need to take that time. Yeah, we need to have that unstructured time, but we do need to have some intentional time with our kids to be able to teach them. Uh, and I think I would say that's, that's the last W is, is the will. That we've got to say that God has a will for our life. He has a purpose for our life. Um, God, that there, there's a, the, the most popular, one of the most um, successful coaches of the 20th century was John Wooden. And he was a UCLA basketball coach. He was an amazing coach. To, took many teams to the championship. He could take a team that was struggling and turn it around and make it an amazing team. He was just a phenomenal coach. But asked, when asked about the source of his success, he pulled out an old kind of tattered paper. And on it was like five or six core values that his father had taught him. And he said, I live by these core values. And that is the source of my success. Do your kids have some core values, some things that will direct them when life gets tough? And also, do your kids have some skills? Life skills are not taught in public school. They're often not taught how to balance a checkbook. Obviously, it's not taught how to do your laundry, how to clean your room, how to organize your office, how to manage your time. None of those things are taught, but those are hugely essential skills that kids need when they grow up into adulthood to get out into the real world and to be functional adults. There was um, the uh, church I was at, and the senior pastor, his son went to a college in Florida where they had to hire maids because it was less expensive to hire maids than to actually fix all the problems that went wrong because the kids wouldn't clean up the rooms. So there, we've gotten to that point in our society that we need to be able to have um, our kids learn that, and, and the only way they're going to learn that is by you as a parent taking on the responsibility and teaching that to them. Maybe you're past the years where your kids are already grown, or maybe you never have kids. Maybe it's, you can find somebody to impart into that here in this church. We've got a youth group that you could go be a part of, and, and just because you're maybe a, well further along in years doesn't mean you can't serve our youth or you can't serve our children and teach them the skills that they need to learn. We need to take intentional time. And I want to close with this. There was um, a mom that I went to go see. I went to go see my friend Keon. He was getting married. And I went back to Philadelphia where he lived, and I met his mom for the first time. And his mom... Um, when I got there, she kept calling him Bishop, and I knew his name wasn't Bishop. I knew his name was Keon, so I was like, why does his mom keep calling him Bishop? And as I was, I was listening, I finally asked him later, why does your mom keep calling you Bishop? And he said, because that's what I wanted to be. Like, that's, I wanted to be a, a bishop of something. 
And so his mom was continually speaking, calling him to what he felt God was calling him to be. Constantly speaking into him and encouraging him and knowing that he had a purpose. Because Jesus, when he said in John 6.38, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And I think that will isn't just the will of us. We're not the ones ultimately sending our kids out into the world. Ultimately, God is, is the father. He is the one sending them out into the world. He has a plan and a purpose for their life. But he will use the parents to be able to show them that plan and that purpose. So we've got to stop spending time as a family and start investing that time into the future as a family. That we would have our kids be in a relational environment where they can find their identity and self-worth in Jesus. That's the goal of parenting. Maybe some of you here today, though, you haven't really met Jesus yourself. You haven't really, you can't really pass on what you don't really have. And so I just want to pray that whether it's, it's to grow your faith in Jesus or to come to Jesus for the first time, that you would just pray with me. And if you pray that prayer for the first time, please mark that on your connection card, and I would love to follow up with you. So would you pray with me? God, thank you for this chance to share your message, to share your word, that ultimately, God, it's, our life is not about activity, it's about our identity in you, and that, that would tr- you would transform our heart, and that would lead to the right activity, God, because we have our deep inner spiritual needs met. But God, maybe some, of, some here and today, they haven't met you yet. Or they don't really, or they're, they're, they've kind of turned away from you, Jesus. God, I pray for them that, that we would pray, that we would recognize that we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the, and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It's, it's not a, we don't physically die as soon as we sin, but we do spiritually die a little inside as we turn away from you. God, help us to admit that we have turned away that we haven't loved you, that we haven't loved others. But we, we know that it only leads to brokenness and emptiness and places that are dry that will continue to um, ha- have us feel empty inside. God, we want to turn back to you. And so today we give our lives to you, Jesus. And we make them new in you. And, and that help us to follow you all the days of our life. Not just at certain times, but every single day, God. And help us to to know that as we give our lives to you, God, you give us a new life back, even better than the life before. God, you said for those who want to save their lives will will lose it. But for those who lose their lives for your sake and for the gospel will gain it. Help us to gain our life today back. To to find our deep inner spiritual needs met. Our needs for love. Our needs for, for growth. Our needs for purpose, God. That you would meet us there so that we would thrive in Jesus as we love, live, and lead. In your precious name we pray, amen.